Welcome in to the Triple H Podcast, Happy Hour Hoops, your one-stop shop for enjoying a cold beverage and listening to our ice-cold basketball takes. We got you covered on everything NBA all the time. Don't forget to follow us at Happy Hour Hoops 1 on all social media platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Apple. Give us a five-star rating on Apple. We've, I know we've got a couple of those. Let's keep them rolling in. And stay locked in as the NBA season is starting to get underway. And that's a uh, we baby. We started this. Uh, our first podcast was right before the bubble started, right? So we, this is like our first full uh, actual like season. We kind of did the playoffs. Now we're we're rolling into a the weirdest NBA season ever, probably that we're yeah. we'll ever see in our lives. Um, so we're just trying to <laughs> we're trying to follow along with it as much as you guys are um it's gonna be a crazy year they're gonna i mean the schedule we haven't even seen the schedule yet like yeah. nope, it's three weeks away we don't even know what opening day is gonna look like anything like that uh i've heard that they're not going to even release the whole schedule they're gonna release like half the schedule like before the all-star break and then after the all-star break so it's just gonna be crazy it's gonna be a million miles a minute like it has been for free agency and everything else and that's kind of just what we expect with the nba but uh so today we're going to start our division previews this is how we're gonna preview uh preview the nba season we're gonna go division by division and just talk about the teams uh what we think their expectations just overview of their off season and just what we think going forward and of course today we're going to start with the atlantic division probably i mean i think easily maybe the pacific has the uh can meet match up with them too but i think the atlantic is easily like the deepest division in basketball right now with you got the celtics and the celtics and sixers obviously have been great the last couple of years and the raptors too um and then the nets i mean they're the big question mark there who knows what they're gonna look like and then the knicks which yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh the knicks don't really yeah, <laughs> up in that whole deep no. argument but they they're still there they're they're there to be the fifth best team in this division <laughs> and that is what they will be that yeah that's what that's if that's all you want to take from this just that's the one thing we'll be right about is that the yeah. Knicks will be last place in this division but we're gonna start off with the boston celtics who were uh in the eastern conference finals last year lost the miami heat in the conference finals and they are looking to make a run of it this year. They added in Tristan Thompson on a nice mid-level deal, uh, signed Jason Tatum to his five-year Supermax, added Jeff Teague as well as a backup point guard, uh, drafted Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Desmond Bain, and uh, the big subtractions we talked about last week on the podcast, Gordon Hayward going to Charlotte, um, Vincent Poirier, which I don't think uh, Celtics fans are going to miss that too, too much, no. and uh, Brad Wanamaker. Again, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how. What's your opinion on Wanamaker? Were you a Wanamaker fan or a Wanamaker? I love, like, I middle? love Brad Wanamaker. Okay, bucket. Brad Wanabucket is was my <laughs> led the league in free throw percentage. Very undervalued. He got like no love. I, I mean, there's trust me, there's plenty of Celtics fans that I know that hate Brad Wanamaker. Oh yeah, Brett, Brett if, if you're listening to this, I'm talking <laughs> to you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I think I think Wanmaker went either way. But I, I was definitely a huge supporter of Wanmaker. I, uh, you know, I wish him the best moving forward. But he he did his job on on the cells. Yeah, he did. He did. I mean, he I think outperformed his expectations for sure. Like the way he was as a like journeyman guard coming in. I don't. I wouldn't have expected anything from him. He was solid there. But I like yeah. Jeff Teague in that spot too. He's a he's been solid, and I don't think they're gonna miss much from there. Um, but obviously this team, the expectations that they, they have is title contenders. I mean, they, they were right there last year. They've been right there the last couple of years. And uh, this is the time. And this is, uh, they really are, they really, this is the window. I mean, the, unfortunately for them, like last year might've been the best shot. They're going to get at it the next couple of years. We'll see how the East breaks out. And it's really going to depend on uh some of these guys making a jump and just see where they land. What, what do you expect from the Celtics this year? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, title contender has been the goal of the last, you know, three or so years, basically every year that Tatum and Brown have been on the team together, which is pretty crazy. Um, you know, they made a couple Eastern conference final appearances, but never actually made it to the finals. Um, 
I, I expect them to be, you know, three, two, three, four seed, you know, all this season. I don't, I don't think they'll end with the one in the East. And I, I think a, t- a title contender could be realistic, but as you mentioned, you know, just what a, what a tough time to be in the Eastern conference with the, the way the Brooklyn Nets look. And I mean, Philly is always going to be around as much as I think the Celtics have the 76ers numbers that uh, they improved this off season a lot. And I mean, just inside this Atlantic division here, it's going to be tough for the Celtics. So I do think they can definitely go back to the Eastern conference finals again, but I mean, making it to making it to the finals this year is, is going to be uh, no easy task for the Celtics. And I do believe that they have taken a bit of a step back from last season, but you know, only time will tell. Yeah, I think roster wise, like if you look at it on paper, it might look. I mean, we're just missing Hayward is yeah, it's huge. It's, it's tough. Like a wing, like everybody wants wings right now. Everybody in the league wants wings. Everybody wants a switchable wing. A guy, and Hayward can literally do everything. Um, but that being said, like I, I, I don't know if he ever just. It just never looked like he was fully comfortable, like taking yeah. that role. Um, he wants to be a like that dude wants to be a scorer. I, I feel like. I mean, that's what he was when he was in Utah. He was he would have the ball in his hand and be the first option. And on this team, he was the fourth option, sometimes the fifth, depending on how Mark Smart was feeling himself that day. Yeah. So, like, um, they're going to miss him for sure. But if the what makes them successful in my mind this year is Tatum and Jalen, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown taking the leap to, like, super-duper star level. Like, we've seen it from Tatum. We've seen – the runs he had like before the before the pandemic hit he was on one of the best runs i think in the in the league the whole year like he was just ripping apart teams just hitting every shot he was making um and i don't think it's there's any question that tatum's gonna continue to improve and just be one of those elite scorers in the league the real question is can he get to like top five mvp level because i think that's Mm. where he's gonna with the way i mean you were talking about the east and the Nets, I mean, we'll talk about them in a second. But if they they're, they reach their potential, obviously, they've got KD, who's going to be playing at an MVP level. Um, we know Giannis is going to be playing at an MVP level in the East. Um, and who knows what the six like, we've been talking about like the Sixers, who knows what they look like year to year. But it, it's all young guys that you have to assume are going to make jumps and get better. And so Tatum needs to keep that ascension. No pressure, right? You just got to be a top yeah. five candidate for your team to win. But I think he knows that. Like, he he knows that. He owns that. But I have more faith in him. I have complete faith in Tatum doing that. I've always been a big Tatum believer and think he's going to get to that point. The real person who needs to make the jump to superstar is Jalen. Like, Jalen needs to be able to... I don't know. Like he needs to be able to be the dude that could be like 30 points a game for like a 10 game stretch. You know, like he's, I don't know if he's ever had that. He hasn't had that stretch in his career. No. no yeah. And I, I agree. I think uh, um, a point that you mentioned a minute ago that, you know, they're kind of rolling with just young guys and they all kind of need to step up in their own. Right. And that it, that's what it sounds like Danny Ainge is willing to do. And that's what it sounds like he's going to do moving forward. Because last time we were on the pod, we, we were talking about Gordon Hayward a lot, but it was, it was a, in uh, different circumstances then that was before Ainge had pulled off the sign and trade at that time. It looked like Gordon Hayward was just walking away, you know, with nothing, mm-hmm. but now we have um, these trade exceptions mm-hmm. for Gordon Hayward in return. And, Ainge said this morning, I believe it was on the the Toucher and Rich show, that they're they're kind of going to stay put with that um, with that money right now and not really make a move and just kind of see how things go moving forward. He said he's confident in his young group um, yeah. to excel and and get better every day. So I mean, he just kind of has that in his back pocket whether he wants to use that right before the trade deadline this this year or even wait till uh, till next off season to make a move. So it's it's basically just on these young guys right now. How good are they actually going to perform? And I, I like your breakout player being Jalen Brown. I, and I think he will have a breakout year. And I, my, my guy who I really want to see breakout for the Celtics, and it would actually be huge for them, is a guy like Robert Williams. 
I mean, he, he showed some bursts in that Toronto series in the playoffs where he was just shooting like, you know, 65 and upward percent from the field every time he got in. And he, every time he got, came off the bench, it was an explosive dunker, you know, a game-changing block. So if, if he can provide those minutes again this year and continue to play like that and for extended periods of time, I think that's a huge boost off the bench. Yeah, and – I mean, if he if he if he's the breakout and he improves, like it's just it's. I mean, you would know this more than me, but I've watched a decent amount of Celtics last year too. Robert, he just needs to be more consistent, right? Like he's yeah. there's just he has lapses on defense and shit where he just sometimes just disappears or just forgets something or whatever, and you're just like, what are you doing out there? But I I like that a lot too because it takes the pressure off of a guy like Tice and a guy like Tristan Thompson if you have Robert Williams in that rotation and defensively i'm just imagining uh marcus smart jalen brown jason tatum robert williams tristan thompson five that that's gonna be tough to go for any team to score against if those guys are all playing to their defensive potential i i I think that's huge i think robert williams i think he's only gonna keep getting better just like these other guys like he's only gonna keep improving um it's just gonna be like that consistency on the defensive end for him to get to earn those minutes with brad like I would if it if I was the coach I'd be giving him minutes no matter what just because of the upside. But mm-hmm. I think, especially with the Celtics, like you got to be solid on the defensive end and know what you're doing to get those minutes, especially over guys like Tice and Thompson. Like those guys, like Tice, you, they love Tice, and he's I think he's going to be the starter to start the year. Obviously, maybe Rob, maybe it is Robert Williams. So I mean, we'll we'll see what happens in a couple weeks. But I think that they're the that's the guy they're hoping really takes the lead in that center spot or the four, whatever, however they end up doing that rotation for sure. And just, uh, and blowing up. Um, but yeah, Jalen Brown, I just picked up his stats here on basketball reference. He's last year was his only, his only for his first year that he averaged 20 points. Um, I mean, the year before it was the Kyrie year that and you, we just knew how much Jalen Brown hated Kyrie. Like you could just <laughs> see it on the court. And so I really think now like another year removed from that, a real full NBA season with some, you know, rhythm to it and just another year more comfortable with his role. And his role is going to get improved. Like it's going to be bigger without Hayward too. I think he's going to love that and embrace that. Um, And you got to like, these guys are still like 22 and 23. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about we, even we, I just brought up like this might've been their title window, but with the way that they're, and we expect them to make a draft day move. um, And they didn't with all those picks. But maybe Danny's looking at it like these dudes are 22 and 23. Like Tatum's not hitting his prime, like his actual prime for four or five more years. And yeah. if you, if any of these young guys can hit to be alongside of them, they could have a great like young core behind their two superstars and just a lot more flexibility. I mean, that's a risky maneuver with the NBA, especially when you got have guys like the talent that they have now, but I think they're like the best position to kind of like thread that needle and be a contender now and still be building to be a contender five years in the future, just because Brown and Tatum are so much more advanced than a lot of the other guys. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, it, it really comes down to the stuff that the fans don't know about. And that could be that, you know, you see it so much in the NBA where people and teams think that they missed their window with talented teams. And and we saw it with, you know, the Kyrie Irving era of the Celtics because people move around a lot in the NBA and that's just kind of where the league's at. But we don't know. I mean, it could be verbal agreements with Ainge and Brown and Tatum where they all feel very strongly about sticking together for a really long time. I mean, we know a guy like Marcus Smart has no intentions of playing anywhere other than Boston and it and Boston kind of has that infectious atmosphere where if, if you have a group of guys like that and they're actually all all are committed to stay around I mean it, it kind of is a piggyback thing and people just want to play for the city of Boston so I mean yeah if that's something that Ainge feels strongly about then like you said maybe he's you know not too tempted and he doesn't feel rushed to make a move that he doesn't think he has to make right now yeah, and I and especially with the guys coming available next summer with that trade exception he could have for signing trades or any of those free with any of those free agents, it's there's no rush. Like this this is not the year you want to be trying to move guys around anyways. Like it's going to be hard to 
the teams that have continuity, just like the NFL, are going to be the ones that excel just because training camp's starting today and the season starts in three weeks. Like, there's going to take some time for these new teams to gel together, like the Nets we're going to talk about in a second. It's going to take time. Like, we've, we've seen that every year with stars that get together, even just teams that get together and add new guys, it takes time for them to build that chemistry. But the Celtics have that chemistry. And I really – they and Brad loved to give Gordon so much responsibility. I think it's just going to benefit Marcus Smart and, and Tatum and Brown to have – take that responsibility that Gordon had as lead as a leader in the locker room. I mean, I, I don't know what the locker room dynamic exactly was. I just know that Brad Stevens loved Gordon Hayward. Yeah. And just him not being there is he's, he's going to be forced to give responsibility to those guys. I think it's going to benefit them in the long run. Uh, my prediction is I had them um, – as third place in the East, battling for one of those top seeds. Uh, I think the best player on the team is going to be Tatum, obviously. And I think Jalen Brown's ready for a superstar kind of year. What do, what do you think? Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely I'm with that. I, I think I agree in all of those. Like I mentioned, I think Rob Williams might be my breakout guy. That's that's more of a want for me than what I think is actually going <laughs> to happen. I, I do think uh, Jalen Brown's also going to break out. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I see right right around second, third, fourth uh, seed, as I mentioned before. Third, third sounds good good to me. I can roll with that. Um, but yeah, so we pretty much agree there. And just one thing before we move on to the Nets, uh, I, I I gotta ask because it came out today actually that Kemba, you know, Danny Ainge said that Kemba Walker is gonna miss about a month of basketball here going into early January. Uh, with with that same nagging knee that was kind of bothering him a little bit in the playoffs, he's he's getting some work done there. No surgery needed, but what do you do? You think this is why Ainge drafted the way he did? I mean, taking three guards, also signing Jeff Teague. Like, what? Where do you see the minutes going there? Do you think we uh, the Celtics, you know, give give some of the youngsters, the rookies, a try, or do you think Teague logs a lot of minutes while Kemba's down? I mean, I think ideally they want it to be Romeo Langford, right? Like that's the dude that they really, really want to be the guy to take a step up and get going because he has all that potential in the world to be that swingman three and D kind of guard that they have. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that I think that's what Danny. That's why he keeps drafting these guys. He's hoping one of them hits like he hit with, you know, these other guys, and he's he hasn't had a great run of it lately, but. All it takes is one of those guys, like you have Pritchard or Neesmith. Like I think Neesmith's going to be good this year. I mean, Me too. I don't think he's going to have a huge role, but the dude's a shooter, and that's really they needed a guy like that yeah. off the bench to just put up threes and just drill them. And I think that he's going to have a good year. Um, I'm hoping for Langford. I, I still hold out hope for him, but we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, um, without without Kemba, I mean, I don't I don't know how much they're even going to count on Kemba even when he's in there this year. It seems like they were going away from him even as the year went on last year and just handing it over more to Tatum. And clearly he's got a knee issue that's, it's not going away. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's been an issue since July and it's still going on now. And I can't imagine it's not going to keep bothering him at some point during the season. He's probably going to be on some sort of minutes restriction and uh, gate load management type deal. And I mean, Kemba is a short, a small guard who's getting into his thirties. We know how, those guys end up turning out and there's a reason Danny was trying to move him like at, yeah. at the draft. So yeah, I think he definitely wants one of these guys to hit. I'm hoping out holding out hope for Langford. Cause I really liked him when they drafted him, but Jeff Teague is solid. He's not going to really, he's not going to blow you away out there, but he's not going to hurt them either. So. Nice. I like that. All right. Well, let's go yeah. forward to the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets who, they're the mystery team right like they're the team that everybody just wants to wait and see what they could change the trajectory of the nba and the balance of the power and once we see them play this year um so they added landry shamit which is i love that for them like great pickup tyler johnson they re-signed added jeff green jeff green's always always good to have on your squad going back back with his days with uh durant on the supersonics that's how deep that goes (laughs) i love that uh joe harris re-signing for big money they didn't really lose a lot garrett temple wilson chandler just some wings but they've got the ultimate wing (laughs) coming in and kd so i don't think they're too worried about that and i mean looking at looking at those additions you you are so fine with those subtractions as uh 
as a Nets fan. I mean, Garrett Temple is, I mean, he's been on what, like four teams in the last like three seasons. Yeah. And Wilson Chandler is just, he's a, he's a worse Jeff Green in my, in my, <laughs> like both a similar age, you know, been in the league while like both, you know, viable vets, but I'd, I'd rather have Jeff Green there. So, I mean, just looking at that on paper is just a bonus in itself. And then you mentioned you have KD. So the Nets are doing great things yeah. right now. I put, I, I'm adding that into the additions because it really is an addition to the squad. Like yeah. they didn't have him at all last year. That's the biggest pickup any team has gotten this year is KD getting hopefully back healthy from injury. Um, and that's really like their expectation is they want to win a title. Like they're, yep. when Kevin Durant's on your roster, that's your expectation. It's been that way since 2011. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. for real. So that's, and the way they succeed is, I mean, the simplest term is that KD returns to form and him and Kyrie work together and they can share the playmaking duties and ball handling and shot shots, mostly the shots. <laughs> they can handle that and divvy it up and be happy with each other. Um, it's really just, I, I'm, I really just feel like this is going to be all about the chemistry. That's what's going to make them succeed or fail. We've seen, like, how is how Spencer Dinwiddie going to react to a lesser role with Kyrie Irving around? Like, it didn't they don't I I don't think that they can play together very well on the same time. Who's going to be more effective? Is what's Levert going to react without you know being the go to guy? Um, how are they going to react to Steve Nash? I mean, that's a big addition too. First time head coach. They got Mike D'Antoni in there. Uh, it's just there's a lot of moving pieces around here uh, with this squad. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the expectation to win a title. I mean, I think Stephen A. Smith said it best, like the way this, this roster is looking for the Brooklyn Nets, there's just really no excuse for them to not at least get to the finals. I mean, it's one thing if you lose to LeBron James on the other side of things, if the Lakers meet them there, but I mean, there's just – there really is no excuse aside from injury. And, yeah. I mean, that's about it. I mean, their ego – Kyrie's ego or KD's ego or, you know, Dim Woody not getting along with Kyrie or whatever you want to say. I mean, that's not really an excuse. That's – they have a championship roster here to win now. They have – I mean, Steve Nash is obviously an unproven coach, but he has assistance in D'Antoni and – um, Nash is obviously a basketball wizard. I mean, that guy has one of the highest basketball IQs the league's ever seen. Yeah. I mean, to put all that together and to not at least make it to the finals, yeah, I, I mean, it's just a loss of a season, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And the, the best, biggest thing, I think, is what you touched on right at the beginning there is health because, I mean, KD's coming back from the Achilles. We, there's, there's no guarantee – not I'm I he's looked healthy and everything, but we we see what happens with like the leg injuries where like we just happened with happened with Clay a couple weeks ago like he's overcompensating and that's how he gets hurt and once those guys start getting leg injuries it seems like they just start to keep adding up and adding up and um I'm not I'm not saying like hopefully he's fine and everything but I, there's going to be nagging stuff all year like probably I I can't imagine Katie's going to go full workload play all seventy two games and go balls of the wall like it just doesn't make sense to do that and Kyrie's never been healthy like the dude hasn't been healthy even since he was at Duke like he's never had a full year that he's been healthy the entire time and so really like that could be there if those guys are missing a bunch of time they're not getting that chemistry and then also if those guys are missing time and Dinwiddie and Levert are getting back into the starting lineup and feeling doing well and they're that's where the chemistry could come and if Kyrie just comes in after Dinwiddie had a run of two weeks where he's, you know, going for 25 again, like he has in the past and stuff like, how is he going to react to that? It's just, it's just going to be interesting to see the dynamic. Cause there's a lot of big personalities on this team. I don't think Levert's going to be an issue because Levert and Durant are boys and they clearly have, like, I think that's a big reason Durant ended up not ended up in Brooklyn. He could end up wherever he wanted to, but yeah. he loves Levert. Like they, I think him and Kyrie both believe that Levert can be their third star and be a great scorer in this league. And I think it comes down – I mean, his development is one of the biggest things for them this year. Yeah, and you talk about Dimwitty and LeVert. I kind of like how you, like, beg the question, like, what do Dimwitty and Kyrie do on the court together? Because Dimwitty is, you know, kind of that ball-dominant scorer. He kind of needs to have it. You know, he he just does what he wants usually Mm -hmm. in his scoring situations where LeVert is lesser of a shooter but, you know, more of an athlete and – 
kind of just a more well-rounded basketball player, I guess. He can also just – he can play very good defense that turns into offense. Mm-hmm. And that, I, Levert, not that I have anything against him, but he just seems like Levert, as you mentioned, would just be like almost like is a better fit. Mm-hmm. He, he can kind of do a little more and be a better team player, it seems. Yeah, I just – I'm just trying to think of like their their starting lineup or like their crunch time lineup, I guess. And Dinwiddie's not he's not going to be in. I don't think he's going to be in there with those guys. And I feel like if they can get a wing for him or like another guard and Levert's the wing, but like if they could have gotten Covington instead of the Trailblazers, that would have been somebody like perfect for that. I mean, Covington's perfect on any team, but just a, another like long defensive wing because you don't want to put all that on KD and you don't want to put it all on. Levert or Joe Harris like those guys are good on defense but they're not they're not defensive specialists by any stretch of the imagination we just know how good these wings are in the rest of the league I think if Durant's healthy he's going to be able to be a defensive wrecker like he always is though and I think Durant and DeAndre is probably going to start but Durant and Jared Allen next to each other that's if Durant's playing up to his ability on defense that's the type of forwards that you need to go against all these big lineups in the league now too so uh yeah, yeah we'll especially s- in the east right now yeah like you're if you're dealing with Giannis, you need those bodies down low like you really you're do dealing with Giannis, you're doing it with Embiid, mm-hmm. bam out of bio on the rise in miami yeah so that's a lot of pressure and um, we'll see i mean there's a deal to be made maybe with this team they've been in the harden rumors i i don't think harden's getting moved before the season at this point i mean but yeah. bradley they've been in bradley beal rumors i mean who knows about that Jeez, man <laughs> maybe something like bradley beal on that team like is they would I average think, like 140 points a game <laughs> he'd be perfect because at least he played like harden doesn't isn't going to help them defensively he's not filling that spot for them they're going to score a ton if he's there but beal could play defense and just be that catch and shoot guy he'd be perfect but even like a guy say like I don't know how viable this deal is money-wise off the top of my head, but Buddy Heald, like yeah. getting out of there and going, like he's a, it's a lot of money for him, but that's the type of guy I feel like just a catch-and-shoot guy who can play a little defense, and then you can have a lineup, and you could have just shooters all around those guys and just hope, and you got the inside presence of Durant next to DeAndre or Jared Allen, and that's what you go with. I mean, Joe Harris obviously is going to probably be in that starting lineup, and we know how good, deadly of a shooter he is. This team, this the potential. It's just we can talk about their potential all day. Like they, yeah. they have the potential to be like one of the, a historic offense if they can put it all together. I've got them prediction first place in the East. Karis Levert going to be the breakout, and Durant obviously if if all breaks well, the best player. Um, I could this could go terribly wrong in my having them first place, but I just. The last time I saw Kevin Durant play basketball, he was arguably the best player in the world, and I don't want to. I don't want to be the person that's not giving him that credit when he if he starts going off when the season starts. Yeah, no, they like like I said, like Steve and I said, no reason they shouldn't make it to the finals. Therefore, I agree with the first place in the East prediction. I mean, they're just going to be too good, is what it seems like right now. I hate to say it as a Celtics fan. But that that's just what it comes down to. I love the Karis LeVert breakout player. I could also see Jared Allen taking another step. I mm-hmm. mean, which is which is crazy. But I mean, he's young and super talented, and he seems to be a guy who gets better every season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just most of all, honestly, with this roster, we talked about the additions to the subtractions, how much better they were. But I really think it was huge for them to re-sign Joe Harris. I honestly didn't think it was going to happen. I thought he was going to take big money somewhere else and and kind of you know walk out of this Brooklyn situation. But, I mean, as you mentioned, Harris is definitely going to be a starter for this team. And then you talk about a lineup down the stretch for an end of the game. I mean, he's a obvious guy who you have to have on the floor next to Kyrie and KD at the end of a game where he could, he's just knocked down. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think – I mean, I think that's obviously having KD and Kyrie are the best things for this team. But as far as moves this offseason that happened, I think that was their best play. Yeah, that they uh, that was huge. I was like you. I didn't expect them to be able to keep him like at all. It, and the fact that they were able to keep him in that deal, I mean, it's it's a lot of money for your 75. But for shooters in the NBA, like it's kind of it's kind of 
priceless to be able to get a guy like that. I mean, not you're not going to sign him to a max or anything like that ever, obviously, but just to have a guy like that on your roster and especially like you said in that crunch time lineup, it's going to be it's it really solidifies whatever they want to do with that crunch time lineup with those three, whatever center they put in and Levert, like that's that's as good a lineup as anybody in the in the NBA. All right, so let's move on to the very we'll just we're gonna not spend too much time on this team, but let's move on to the very worst team in this division by far, <laughs> the New York Knicks. Who maybe hey, maybe they're turning it around here with uh, new under new leadership, and they were actually smart this off season. I, I like a lot of the moves that they made. They picked yeah. Obi Toppin first round. We both like Obi Toppin. Uh, Alec Burks, who's all, who's solid, solid guard. Uh, Nerlens Noel. MKG, Theo Pinson, and Austin Rivers, who I really like the Austin Rivers pickup for them. I just think that he's me too. I mean, he's not like he's probably shouldn't be a starter in the league, but he might start for this team. But he's he gets a bad rap. I feel like a I was gonna say he's he's super undervalued in the NBA, dude. Mm-hmm. Like he Austin Rivers is a bucket, and he has been, dude. I'll uh, listeners out there, if you guys like actually are like basketball junkies and like love like just watching hoops and taking like any content in that you can get watch Austin Rivers high school mixtape because it is actually one of the best like basketball mixtapes you'll ever see. He was a bucket in high school. So that that's just a a little shout out for Austin Rivers, but check out Austin Rivers high school mixtape. You won't regret it. Yeah. I remember I remember watching that mixtape when he was going in because I was he was about to go to Duke and I was like, oh, Austin Rivers like that's yeah. kind of sick and just yeah it's it's great and he's had those big moments like that shot against UNC that that you go watch that shot too the I remember watching that in my house when in high school the buzzer beater against UNC it was just crazy the dude's got dude is not afraid of any moment and I think he could have been super valuable to a contender but he clearly he wanted to make some money like he was on a he was on a small deal with the Rockets last year. He wanted he wanted to get some bread. And living in New York's never bad. Like that's why dudes go to the Knicks. You yeah. live in New York City and you get to play at MSG. And uh they're building something. Like they're actually trying to build, it looks like, which is something you haven't been able to say about the Knicks for a while. Um they got rid of Mo Harkless, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis. Like whatever. That's not they're not going to be hurting from that. They had too many power forwards anyways, so they needed to get rid of those guys yeah. for sure. Do you? Uh, uh, sorry to interrupt. Do you know off the top of your head where Bobby Portis went? I'm trying to... I want to say Milwaukee, I think. Okay. Yeah. Portis is a guy to me who who had like a high ceiling for a while and then just kind of never never really came into anything. He's just kind of... Yeah. You just kind of know what you're going to get now with Bobby Portis. I feel like it's it's a little too late now for him to make any type of surge yeah but uh people were hyped yeah. up about him when uh, or a couple of years ago like really excited so yeah remember when he punched uh what's his name this <laughs> yeah the locker room yeah miritich he must have deserved crazy. it i mean i don't think people like miritich that's what that's what i got yeah, from he kind of seems like a dick yeah so you know what good for bobby he <laughs> I, i'm glad for him uh expectations for this team i i I think they're rebuilding. Obviously, I don't know if they're going to make a move for a star. There's been talks about Chris Paul going there. There had been talks about Russell Westbrook going there. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't think they should do that. I don't think they should be that team. Um, maybe they're going to just to keep them for a couple of years and just have somebody that and they can hang their hat on. Yeah. But I think this season's all about the development of all the young guys. Like everybody that you put down here. Uh, RJ Barrett, Alfred Payton, Dennis Smith, Mitchell Robinson, like all these guys, like building that core and they getting have them so to, much young talent, dude. Yeah. There's a lot of potential on this team. Yeah, I really, you know, I think it just has to be like you said, if they don't bring in a John Wall, a Russ, whoever they're thinking about, I think it has to be, you know, let RJ Barrett do his thing. Yeah. And that that's I mean, it's gonna be tested. Like Zion. Zion coming in is obviously like he was obviously gonna you know make noise right away. He was gonna make a huge impact, and people thought that RJ Barrett was the, the better player coming out of college, as far as you know having a better jump shot, just being a more well-rounded player. But everyone kind of knew it was also gonna take RJ Barrett longer to, you know, kind of adapt to the NBA. 
So mm-hmm. I think it's it would be smart for the Knicks to really let him run things, unless yeah. they do bring in a superstar. But my, my advice to them, which I don't know why the New York Knicks would take my advice, but uh, my advice to them would just you know let RJ Barrett do his thing. Does can he develop into a two way superstar in the NBA, kind of like he was in college? Yeah, I'm huge. I'm a big believer in RJ Barrett just because. I followed Duke a lot and just watching him at like he was clearly the the go to guy at Duke that year. Like he made and, it look easy at Duke. I mean, yeah, he really did. And I mean Zion got so much attention, but before the season and the couple years going before that, RJ Barrett was like every everybody was hyping him up to be like the next great superstar in the yeah, league. He was a phenom in high school. Yeah. And that's not that talent that has not gone anywhere. He was kind of misused at Duke a little bit and just Zion train just overtook it. That team was all a mess. And then obviously last year the Knicks were a mess. They got 75 power forwards. Like what's he supposed <laughs> to do with that? This and having a lineup, if you can put on a lineup of with him and Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson and whoever else, Austin Rivers, as maybe he's the guard with there. And I, I think Barrett should just be like running the offense and he could be a, a almost averaging near a triple double when he gets to his potential. I think that's the type of guy he can be. Um, and Mitchell Robinson too. I'm like that dude. I think any team in the league would love to have Mitchell Robinson. I think Robinson. he's a lot, lot better than like a lot of people think that mm-hmm. he actually is. I mean, it, it sucks being on the Knicks, dude. If you're good on the Knicks, like, <laughs> It's gonna take a bit for people to realize. So, like, it's good that it's good that Mitchell Robinson is young, and you know he can do it for more seasons to get some recognition. But I honestly kind of hope the Knicks are a little more relevant this year. One, just for the the East to be stronger, and like it's it's finally starting to look like the East and the West are gonna be somewhat even. Yeah. Um, as far as talent wise, I'm in both conferences. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of hoping you know just. Mostly because I, I like a few of the young studs on this New York team, but also just, you know, to balance out the conferences and just to have good basketball all around. Yeah, I I like that. I I like Mitchell Robinson just a lot, like as a guy, just on any team. I think the argument, I've a lot of New York basketball talk is Mitchell Robinson or Jared Allen, like who would you rather have? And I, I'd pick Mitchell Robinson in a heartbeat. And like you said, like they're – this team, if these guys go up to their potential and do what they need to do, they're going to be competing in that solid. Like the bottom, the top of the East is definitely even with the West right now, but the bottom of the East is fucking terrible. Yeah, and they can make a move. Bad. They could make a move up into those. Like currently, in my projections, my predictions right now, I have like the Pacers as the eight seed, who then they're, I think they're looking trending downwards at this point, not upwards. The Magic, the Bulls, like these are teams that they're competing with. There's no reason that in a next year or in a couple years, they shouldn't be better than these squads. Um, I think they could, like, if they play their cards right and, you know, players develop or are supposed to develop, I think they could be better than the Bulls right now. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's depending on how those young guys look and everything else, but they're, it looks like they're really trying to build something actually and not just try to do whatever the Knicks have been doing for the last 20 years. So we'll see what happens, but um, they, maybe they're not going to be a joke as much as anymore. that might be wishful thinking for this year but it it looks like they've got some pieces there at least and if they get another high pick and get more talent in there the sky's the limit to put somebody next to rj barrett uh in there so let's move on to the i i don't even know the word to describe this team uh the 76ers they're they're the biggest question mark every year right like we were talking about the nets being a question mark we have never have any idea what to expect from the Sixers and this year I feel like more than any year when you have when you bring Daryl Morey as your GM you should expect the unexpected because he could pull any kind of move off like literally at any time <laughs> anytime they added Tyrese Maxey in the drafts and I think I don't know about you I like Tyrese Maxey a lot at Kentucky and he's a clutch guy and he's buddies with Simmons so that must have that make that seems to me like it's a move to appease Ben Simmons and try to like keep them happier keep those guys happy that's really what they should be doing keep Simmons and Embiid happy traded for Seth Curry Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson and signed Joy Howard they got rid of Al Horford which is a, what's big for them with that contract that he had uh, Josh Richardson went in the deal for Seth Curry they got rid of Alec Burks and Zaire Smith went in a trade too 
which uh, Daryl must have not thought he was going to be able to do anything because he's only, what, his first or second year in the league? Uh, but yeah. he hadn't been really getting any run at all there. Um, but, yeah, and I think this team expects from themselves, I, like they have the last couple of years, they want to be title contenders. And uh, I put here for all these teams, what will make them succeed? I, I, I think we know what makes this team succeed, right? Like it's Embiid and Simmons being what we think that they should be. Yeah. Um, just before we move on from the additions and subtractions here, I actually really like – I didn't – I didn't like dislike that they had Josh Richardson on their team, but I, I thought the trade for Seth Curry was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seth, to me, is a better shooter than Richardson, and he just – I feel like he can control an offense a little better. And same thing with Maxi. I think drafting Maxi and uh, adding Seth Curry to the team, you know, it kind of takes a, a lot of weight off Simmons' shoulders. Like, these guys can replace him in the game, and, you know, Doc Rivers can feel – safe with these guys kind of having the offense in their hands when Simmons isn't out there and not to mention, I mean, just the shooting ability that Seth and Danny green can bring to this offense, throw the ball inside to Embiid. I mean, that dude attracts like half the defense. If you can, I mean, I feel like this is what they've been missing for kind of a, a couple of years. They had JJ Redick for that one season and parted yeah. ways. And now they bring in Seth Curry and Danny green. I think, I think those are great moves. Yeah, like you were talking, you just brought that up. That's exactly the point I was going to make. The year with JJ Redick was their best year. It was the best year for Simmons and Embiid, just because mm-hmm. they had that spacing and they had a guy that could create and Jimmy for the second half of the year. And like we know that we the triple bounce is the only reason they weren't in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. And who knows what would have happened after that point. Um, so there, you can see what Daryl Morey is trying to do, and it's the way that it's what people have been saying for the last couple of years that the Sixers needed to do, like get shooting around these two dudes that can't shoot. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. Simmons, maybe he's going to shoot threes this year. Maybe. I'm not going to hold out hope for it. I mean, Probably I still not. believe in Ben Simmons. <laughs> I still believe in him regardless. I really like, I'm, I've always been a huge Simmons believer. I think he would be better off on his own team, but I, th- I don't think they're going to do that unless there's something that blows them away, like a James Harden move. Um, so these guys are going to play together. And I, I think that Doc, I mean, I listened to an interview with Doc a couple weeks ago and he said exactly what I thought he was going to say. So this team, no matter what, he said the offense is going to come, which you never want to hear that from Doc Rivers because yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't like, but whatever he said, but he said this team should be a top three defensive team in the NBA. And there's no reason they shouldn't be with those two on the floor at all times. And if you have the shooting around that kind of defense and they can make these games you know, kind of sloppy, especially when it comes to playoff time, when everything slows down and you have a lineup of, you know, you, you made the great point about Richardson and Seth Curry, like Richardson is, I like Josh Richardson a lot just as a basketball player, but he just, his slash, he's not a great shooter and he's a slasher. And that's not what the Sixers need from Mm -hmm. somebody playing with those two. Yeah. There's already so much clogging up the middle. Mm -hmm. They just, they just don't need that. And I mean, you talked about Doc having high expectations for this defense, and then they add Terrence Ferguson and Dwight Howard also. I mean, we mm-hmm. talked about the shooting they added. I I don't know how much minutes those guys are going to log, but, I mean, those are two huge additions to the defense, if you ask me. <laughs> Dwight proved the last year with the Lakers that he still had something left in the tank. And, I mean, you take out Embiid and you put Dwight Howard into the game. That's not – obviously, it's a downgrade, but from – from bench to uh starter that's that's pretty good yeah and uh he's like the perfect backup for joel too like they never if they're ever on the court together then i'm just gonna sell everything every bit of stock i have in the sixers because i don't want to see dwight and joel on the court together but if he's just going to be the straight backup it's perfect for what they want to do defensively um, I think what's going to be so nice about this team this year is doc is not going to have joel and beat on the perimeter at all and that's nah. what they don't, he doesn't need to be taking threes. They've got the guys to shoot threes and create the space for Joel to just go. Like, I don't want to see him on the three point line at all. And I don't think Doc Rivers is going to do that to him at all. No, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You have your worries about, about the offense here on the Sixers just because you always do, just because of what we've seen the last few years with this core. But yeah, I, I like what you say there. I think Doc's gonna 
almost just make this a little more simple for everyone and just you know feed and beat in the in the low post and try to you know get the best offense out of Simmons that he can yeah and uh, and he's going to let Ben run that offense from all all uh everything we've heard so far from out of their camp so we'll see what happens i mean they're going to they're going to try that again and i if maybe doc's the guy to do it Maybe he isn't. Maybe I don't think Daryl Morey is going to be afraid to move one of these guys, though, if he feels necessary. And I think that's maybe that's the pressure they need on them, knowing that that guy's in there and like, hey, we got to like shape up and get this shit done. Um, if they're if they're going to be successful this year, the best player is going to be Joel Embiid. He's the you know the team that this the player that this team orbits around. And uh, I like Seth Curry to be the a breakout player and be like a real not an all star guard, but. A really, really good. He's been a really, really good guard the last couple of years, and his role is only going to increase this year. Um, and he's got that family tie to Doc. He's married to his daughter, so maybe yeah. that'll, uh, you know, maybe that makes him makes him happy. Happy wife, happy life. His wife's going to be near her dad. Maybe they'll be good together. Austin's in New York. They could go get a nice train ride once COVID's done. Get have family dinner together. So maybe it'll just be good vibes around the Sixers this year instead of the normal chaos that brett brown had uh in that locker room i'm saying a four seed right back around where they were again last they were six seed last year um and i think that they're like any of these top five six teams in the east theoretically could probably all beat each other and they're going to be one of those teams that no one's going to want to play them in the second round of the playoffs yeah if they make it that far yeah (laughs) you know only time will tell for something like that but they yeah, I, I agree with that. Best player, undoubtedly, Joel Embiid. I, I mean, I think I think Seth is not only their best addition, but probably the breakout player also. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is probably one of the hardest teams in the East to predict just because all the locker room problems they've had the last yeah. couple of years. But on paper, what they have right now, no no reason they shouldn't be top you know, in that top four, maybe slip to a five or six, but. Well, I picked him to make the finals last year. I couldn't do that again <laughs> for the life of me. <laughs> no. I'm not going to do it again this year either, but uh, that, 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 that potential is still there. Like it's not going anywhere, but I want to see it. I want to see it with Doc because the way that Clippers season went and the last year just left a bad taste in my mouth about Doc Rivers and Simmons and Embiid, you know, dealing with Simmons and Embiid isn't going to be any easier, but who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll be better for all of them. Uh, we'll finish up here quick with the Raptors in the Atlantic Division. So, Raptors, I mean, not a lot of crazy moves. They're kind of, you look around the same team except for losing Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. That's going to be obviously a little bit weird. Those two were such important pieces to their championship team a couple years ago and mm-hmm. last year without Kawhi, like just to keep that culture. But I think that they have that culture, um, you know, there already. Nick Nurse is our top three coach. They signed. Van Vliet to a four-year deal. Um, they didn't know if, we didn't know where Van Vliet was going to end up. He's staying with the Raptors, though. So I think that was amazing for them. The, the biggest thing that they needed to do this offseason. Um, they picked up Aaron Baines and Alex Len to replace those two. Alex Len, whatever. He's I that guy is not that good. But Aaron Alex Baines, Lens I think <laughs> yeah, he is just he's just he was he was like a top five pick too, wasn't he, for the yeah, Suns? Phoenix Suns. Oh you know, you know what? It it's sad for Alex Len, but this is how I best remember Alex Len is Hassan Whiteside tackling him under the basket after they got into an altercation. And then after the game, the sideline reporter asked Hassan why like that went down and Hassan was like, I was just trying to get my rating up in 2K. <laughs> so Alex Len not only got tackled by Hassan Whiteside, but it was just for the fact that he was trying to get his rating up in 2K and he was on the ass half of that. So that that is how that is how I remember Alex Land. So yeah, poor guy, but I I don't really like the addition for the Raptors. No, I don't think he's they they're gonna miss they're gonna miss those two defensively for sure. I think that's where their biggest hit from losing those two guys is just down low. Like Baines is Baines is a I love this Baines signing for them. He's gonna he would have been useful on any team in the NBA. I mean, mm-hmm. he was great last year for the Suns. He was great a couple years ago for the Celtics. Um, I think he's going to be, <laughs> I think he's going to be great for the Raptors too. Um, and honestly, the Lakers are the team that picked up Marcus all 
and it was talks that they didn't get Gasol that they could would have they were trying to get Baines. I honestly would have rather had seen Baines in that than this version of Gasol. Like if Gasol is the version that he was in the bubble, and the bubble was Oof. weird for everybody, but it's not going to be the same as. Uh, and so I don't think they're going to miss that as much. They're going to miss Serge though. Um, Serge is yeah, I think Serge is a great huge guy. Loss. Um, before, before we move, move too far on, uh, we, you touched on Van Fleet and, you know, kind of wondering where he was going to end up and who was going to give him money. I think Van Fleet played this beautifully. I don't know if you saw, but on his own social media, he put out like, or it might've been, he might've been like on a podcast and interviewed or something, but I saw a quote from Van Fleet and it was, um, you know, someone asked him about like his experience his expectations for the off season and, you know, like what kind of player he's trying to be moving forward. And he like explained that he already got his ring and now he wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. And so like, that was, I think everyone kind of thought like, Oh, wow. Like this, he's really going to like shop himself. And like, he, he, you know, he wants to get money elsewhere, but that was really kind of like taking a shot at the Raptors. Like, yo, like I'm fine with leaving this organization if you guys yeah. don't pay me. So I think they were like, all right, let's, let's throw a bag at Van Fleet and, he probably likes being in Toronto, but didn't want to flat out say that unless he was getting his money. <laughs> yeah, I respect it. That's like yeah. he he used that leverage. That's good. Then I remember seeing a video uh, of him after he signed. And it was his it was his draft night, and it was like a it was a draft night party he had. He didn't get, obviously he didn't get drafted. He went undrafted. Yeah, but he he got up there in front of everybody and he said like I chose not to get drafted. Like I told my agent. I want to pick where I want to go, control my destinies. Like I've always just believed in myself, always bet on myself, and I'm just going to continue to do that. And like to just that, just to have that as the type of person, like that's his. He had a draft night party. There were probably a hundred people in there. He wasn't going to get drafted. He stuff. He's like, fuck it, let's get. He's like, we're going to party. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get picked up, and this is still going to work out. So it's good to see a dude Crazy. like that, like work hard. And he was, dude, him at Wichita State. It was so much fun that I was going to say had. it was. But it was so much fun. State guards, like I don't know what they do with their like ones and twos there, dude. But I feel like they're always just like so explosive and like fun to watch coming out of Wichita, Wichita State. Yeah, it's always a fun squad to watch. But yeah, I, I Van Vliet is he's not like a top tier point guard. I don't like not the elite point guard, but he is somebody that again every team in the NBA would take him at that yeah, price he that can he's torch, at right now. He can torch any defense. I mean he. Uh, Listen, I, I think Marcus Smart's one of the best, if not the best, on-ball defender in the NBA. And, I mean, Van Fleet had his way with Smart a couple games in, in uh, the semifinals. So, you know, I, I always tip my hat to Van Fleet and, and glad he got paid. And, you know, great for the Raptors to bring him back. Yeah. Would you rather have Van Fleet or Kemba Walker right now? <sighs> That's tough. <laughs> that actually is tough like like healthy Kemba I think but like situation right now Van Vliet yeah I just don't I mean going forward and everything like just looking at those two like obviously Kemba's older and everything but it's just interesting just the type of I don't know if we ever would have said that last year definitely not two years ago no. going into the season I think that's just what Van Vliet I think people last year like we knew he was good that year they won the title he was so important for them but Kyle Lowry was still getting more the love at the guard position for them. And Kawhi obviously deserved every, all the credit that he got. But last yeah. year, Van finally like took that team over without Kawhi there. And really like Pascal was the, I mean, he's the guy that it weighs on. Like he has to continue to be a superstar for them to be at that elite level. Like they want him to be, but Van Vliet really like showed out last year and showed that he could be the guy to carry a team in a lot of games and in the playoffs too, dude, like he just gets buckets. Like he, he's yeah. not afraid of anybody or anything. But my favorite player, uh, my favorite player on this team, and it started from 2K. They will round this back around to 2K because yeah, OG Ananobi is like my favorite this. 2K player ever. But this dude, I I think OG Ananobi could be like a superstar in this league if he if things break right. He works hard. He needs to get his shot going. Like he needs to get somewhat of a reliable shot from three, but. The dude just, he's one of the best on-ball wing defenders I've seen in the NBA when I watch. And just the speed and athleticism like that, he's the exactly type of guy that you want to be developing like at the rate he is. And I I, I just feel like... Damn near has- almost made me have a heart attack too in that series <laughs> against the Celtics when he <laughs> freaking hit that buzzer beater three, dude. Yeah. 
<laughs> that might have been the moment, bro. That might be his yeah. moment, like to go there. And that's and again, like those dudes, like these guys are not afraid. That the the culture and the infrastructure that they've built now, they're like the Spurs North at this point. But they're just gonna keep turning out good players and keep being competitive. I don't know if they I don't think they're gonna be a top tier team in the East this year, but the pieces where you got Van Vliet and OG and Pascal, those a lot of teams in the league would take those three pieces to build around for the future a lot. Yeah. So, so OG is going to be your breakout guy then I'm guessing for the Raptors. Yeah. I like that too. I agree there. You have Van Fleet as, as your best player for the Raps. I still think, I still think Kyle Lowry is, is my best player on the yeah. Raptors here. Um, I just think, I mean, they Van Fleet and Lowry are super similar on, on offense in a lot of ways, right? But I don't know. I think I think Lowry just I mean they both play with chips on their shoulders, both smaller guys, kind of have different stories, but I don't know, dude. I think Lowry just he has the he has the NBA figured out. He's just been around so many well, he's been around for so long. He's been around so many good players. He's been in, you know, crazy situations. He's a champion. And I, I just think his defense goes, you know, go, it is a little underrated. I hated playing against him uh, as a Celtics fan, and he really pissed me off in that yeah. series. But like he, he just he's good at what he does, and uh, he's just he's you know he's a winner and he's a fearless leader for this Raptor squad. Yeah, that's I like that too. Like Lowry, he's the heart and soul of that team. He always has been. He's going to be mm-hmm. the engine that keeps them going. And I'm not. I think he's on his, I think this is contract year for him too. Um, And I don't know, like, if they're going to, I mean, he could be an expiring that they could move to get somebody, or maybe he's going to sign there at a lesser deal and stay in Toronto for the rest of his career because he's had such an amazing run, like, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude's had an amazing career as it is, like, from where he started to becoming an all star guard. Like, it was um, same thing as Van Lee, like, unprecedented. Like you just said, they're they're kind of, they're very similar just the way they came up and everything like that. But yeah, that dude, he's the most annoying player to play against for sure. The most annoying player. Um, A lot of games, I mean, the Cavs beat up on the Raptors all those years, but it was still like, so he's just a little pest the whole time. But yeah, I like, uh, I just like that this team is just the infrastructure still there. I think they're still going to be solid. They just, they're going to give all these teams fits. Like they're not, they're not going to go away hard. I have them as the sixth seed. And I think that's just more only as a six, just because the East, the top of the East with the teams we talked about earlier, the Bucks, the Heat still like that. I think that's where they end up falling, but if you're that's right now i said earlier we said earlier i said earlier the celtics is a three seed i don't think the celtics i don't think you as a celtics fan or any celtics fan wants to see the raptors in the first round in a three six like no, no shot sir no <laughs> shot so that's yeah. that's just kind of the respect that this team still gets yeah i think and just you know, last point about the Raptors that I'll make here is I think they really need Siakam to get back into his form that he's he had when he's playing alongside Kawhi Leonard. I know his numbers statistically in the regular season were up from that championship year, uh, especially his points, I think, took the biggest jump. And he was right around the same for rebounds and like steals and blocks um, and assists, too, because, you know, Pascal can kind of do it all when he's on. But. Pascal in those playoffs was was really bad and kind of disappointing for the city of Toronto. So I, as much as I agree with you that I think OG is is going to be the breakout player, I think as a Raptors, like if you're a Raptors fan or if you're a part of that organization, you almost want to see Pascal take another leap and for him to be the breakout player. Yeah, for sure. Like he needs to because he started off strong last year too. Mm-hmm. and kind of fizzled towards the end and in the playoffs he's just he's not they, they kind of shut him down and he just wasn't really that effective in those playoff games he, he needs to take that step offensively and just get some more moves and just put some more into his repertoire and more consistent but yeah if he if he makes a jump then then they're really in the talk to be like a top three team in the east again and who knows that i mean i would not be surprised if we're at the all-star break and they're like the two seed again you're just like how did this happen again (laughs) they could be one of those situations all right that'll do it for our atlantic division preview don't forget to follow us at happy hour hoops one on all social media platforms and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on apple and spotify give us a five-star rating and uh yeah hopefully this uh 
Hopefully you guys got a lot of information and are all caught up on the Atlantic Division for the NBA season starting in just under three weeks. So, Ooh, baby. Nothing like a nothing like an NBA restart for a, for a Christmas gift. I know it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> that Christmas day, I can't wait for Christmas day. It's I was gonna say it's literally like Christmas, but it, like yeah, the best it Christmas. Be Christmas. It will be Christmas. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, thanks you guys for listening. Uh, next up, we will have our Northwest Division preview. So be on the lookout for that when it comes out later this week. Peace, guys. Mm-hmm.